For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everybody. We are your hosts, Jake Arthur, here alongside Zach Hicks, and we are on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of our show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love to hear back from you guys in the form of some ratings and reviews. That, of course, helps us immensely. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to talk all about the latest Colts draft hubbub and answer a bunch of your questions. But before we get started on all that, let's hear from our sponsors. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag. Or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, once again, thanks for being patient and joining us, everybody. We are back like we never left, and we're going to get right into the thick of draft talk. Uh, but first, and potentially most importantly, there is a Zach Hicks hair account out there. And <laughs> Zach out on Twitter. And Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was something you said if uh if Carson Wentz finished top ten in DVOA this year, uh, which is a football outsider's metric, then you will shave your head. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh it kind of came on the heels of I think Colts Reddit is what it was. They they had this long thread going about one person saying that Carson Wentz is gonna be like Andrew Luck here. Uh, with the Colts, and then like almost all the comments were saying that he's in the same mold as Andrew Locke and the same type of player, and they'll get like the same type of player out of Carson Wentz as they did with Andrew Locke. And you know, I, again, I'm cautiously optimistic about Carson Wentz. I don't think, you know, I I don't think it's realistic to expect Andrew Luck, uh, type production from him or anything like that or that type of play. Uh, but you know, I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic. I, I, you know, it's a guy who's regressed a lot uh, over the years and hopefully he can get back to it. But, you know, I, I, I've been pretty vocal about not thinking he's going to be back to that top tier status. And I figured I'd put my money where my mouth is. So yeah, if he finishes top 10 in DVOA, which, uh, DVOA is a football outsiders metric that takes into account opponent played, uh, I think also like, uh, wins added and EPA and all that stuff. So it takes in a lot of metrics and puts it together for an overall ranking and score. Uh, so if, you know, if Carson Wentz finishes a top 10 quarterback, uh, which he's only done once in his career in 2017, every other year he's been outside the top 10. I think he's had three finishes outside the top 20. 
uh, one in the from 10 to 20 and, and one in the top 10 when he was number three in 2017. So, uh, yeah, you know, I made that bet. And, and honestly, it's a it's a win win for me because if if, you know, it's, if he sucks, then I don't have to shave my head. So I feel good about that. But, uh, you know, if if he's in the top 10, I'll gladly go from a buzz cut to a shaved head to, to have a top 10 quarterback. I think I think this is a win win for me. I, I don't really have any complaints. And and uh, I, I'm hoping that he, uh, you know, he pulls it off and I can, you know, go bald this whole summer or whatever or for a couple of weeks. Even I don't even know how long it'll take to grow back. But no, I think it'll be fun. Uh, it's something that people to keep track of all year. And, you know, I, I, I kind of made a bet last year, too, that if uh, Rodrigo Blankenship made over 85 percent of his kicks, I would make this Photoshop picture that people put of my face onto him as my profile <laughs> picture all off season. But he actually, because that chip shot missed in the playoffs, he went 84.5% last year. So technically I didn't have to do that this year, but uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm all cool with making bets like this and having fun with it. And, and you know, that, that's the whole thing. It's about having fun with it. And, and I, I really do hope Carson Wentz is not even top 10 in DVOA. I hope he's top five, top two, top one in DVOA. Because uh, that means the Colts are in the right direction. Yeah, that that Rodrigo Blankenship thing you're talking about—that picture exists. There's your face on. There's his... multiple ones. Yeah. There's multiple ones. And there, there's a there's a guy who has that as his profile picture on Twitter, <laughs> and I'm not sure if he knows that's you or not. I think he just thinks it's a funny picture, but it's you. <laughs> I don't even know. Like he responds to me and like talks to me on Twitter and stuff, with like without any like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like I don't. I don't know if he thinks it's actually Rodrigo or if he does know the joke behind it. I, I have no freaking clue, but it's it's hilarious. That one and and like you said, that the hair account is is hilarious. When I saw that pop up the other day, uh, that that killed me. And and I will say, I will say, uh, the person who runs the account's probably gonna DM me after listening to the show. But I, I do know who runs the account. They accidentally tweeted from their main account the other day, uh-uh. uh, and they deleted it really really quick. So I do know who it is. Uh, but to keep with the good fun of it, I'm, I'm not going to ever say who it is unless they want to come out and say it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know who it is. It, <laughs> it's, I, I still find it hilarious. So secret safe with me. I think it's just really funny. That is fine. I, I want to know who it is, but I'll, I'll let the, I'll let the secret <laughs> live on. Uh, <laughs> God, it's funny. Um, as for the, the Carson Wentz thing though, finishing top 10 in DVOA, I actually just, uh, I got emailed the odds for like, Offensive Rookie of the Year and MVP and stuff like that. Uh, Wentz is currently 12th in MVP odds at 25 to 1. And I think it's funny how, like, Rookie of the Year odds come out before the guys are even on team. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas knows, man. Vegas knows where everyone's yeah. going. But it's like, okay, so let's, let's, like, Mac Jones is on here. He's one, two, three. He's fifth. What if he gets drafted to a team where he's actually not the starter? I think we both know he'll be drafted to be the starter right away. But what if he goes somewhere where they have a starter for a year already? Yeah. You can't or, have those odds already. Well, or, or the other way, like like Zach Wilson, I'm guessing is like second, right? Uh, Lawrence then Wilson, yeah. Yeah. So Wilson's second, right? He's gonna go to the Jets, where the Jets I think are gonna be better than what they had been, but still the Jets, yeah. right? And say Mac Jones does go third to the Niners. How are you going to have Mac Jones at fifth then and have Wilson at, at second in odds when Mac Jones with the Niners and what that offense can do with Kittle and mm-hmm. Debo and, and Ayuk and all those guys. And then you're going to have Zach Wilson second when he's stuck with what Denzel Mims as his best receiver. Like, hey, I, Denzel Mims is awesome. 
He was great. I, I like Denzel Mims. I want to see him in a. I want to see him in a good offense. It's crazy. Or even like like say Justin Fields goes to San Fran at three, right? I would. Oh, have, that, I would rather take Justin Fields as rookie of the year over Trevor Lawrence. Oh, even. absolutely. Yeah. Dude, Justin Fields with with Shanahan and those those receivers and that line. And everything, I like that. I would. Do yeah. That. So it, you know, it, yeah, it is a little crazy to do it before the draft, but I think as someone who doesn't really bet, like I've maybe bet like two things in my entire life and it's usually involving my hair um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know as someone who doesn't really bet I think it's smart to maybe pick on one of those like put a little bit of money down on someone who's like a long shot but my point being that you know you if you put it on or maybe you just put it on him finishing in the top three or something like that mm-hmm. you know something like that you know you yeah. could win some money that way but outside of that I think it's it's kind of stupid you know the the putting the odds out beforehand. I think it, hopefully, I think it's just a way that the the Vegas gets people into to bet. You know, lose your money before you even that was going on. Hey man, it only took us like time, ten minutes to get completely sidetracked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. It's all. By the way, my hair is gonna hopefully be gone. That's all we're really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you'd be able to pull it off though. There's some people whose heads are not shaped properly to be able to handle a shaved head. Yeah, the thing is, I'm gonna be bald by like 28 anyway. So yeah, it's not like you're rocking a big mane or anything right now. No, every year of my life, it's got you know middle school. I had long hair because you know it was like the punk rock phase or whatever. Mm. Like everyone had long hair. <laughs> this is like this is like 2008 or something. That's when like punk rock was like a thing or whatever. Emo, emo baby. Yeah, yeah, emo and punk rock stuff. You know, the simple plan haircut. I had that in like middle school. Like that's you know that's what we all rocked. And then in high school, I got it even shorter. And then when my wife started cutting my hair this past year with, you know, COVID going on, like I'm just telling her like, yeah, just buzz it. I don't care. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, then we'll we'll move on to football now again. Finally, let's see. <laughs> it's so yeah. So we're a couple weeks out. It is smokescreen season. Uh, I've seen a lot of, I, I like a lot of the dots some people are connecting, like literally being like Twitter detectives. Some of it's really good, uh, but some of it I, I think is just people taking a lot of bait. Um, I think I've seen in the last week people mention the Colts are seriously interested in Tevin Jenkins, Christian Darisol, Quiddy Pay, and it's like, well, of course they are. Those guys are right there in that draft range. They've gone to their pro days, of course, but this year more than any, all all teams, including like GMs and coaches, are probably taking advantage of pro days and, and such because they haven't, especially head coaches, haven't been able to meet with guys at the combine and things like this. So, I I mean, of course, they're showing interest in a lot of these guys as they should. Um, I would just be careful of like really committing to like certain guys, you know, especially with Chris Ballard. Yeah, you know. I participate in the fun. Uh, I love. Oh, you know, yeah, when I interview, it makes sense. Yeah, like when I interview a prospect, I ask him, "Oh, have you met with the Colts or whatever?" I, I do that with all of them, and mm-hmm. I know part of it is just me being a writer looking for clicks and looking for impressions on tweets and stuff because I know you guys are going to eat that up. But the the kind of the fact of the matter when it comes to these things is like the Senior Bowl, for instance. You know, how many times are we reporting that? So and so met with the Colts at the Super Bowl or at the Senior Bowl, right? We've seen that a lot on Twitter. Yeah, I was told by a prospect, and this is why I kind of stopped reporting these. Every single player at the Senior Bowl met with every single team down there. Yeah, that's why like, the, the Senior Bowl X met with Y is like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So basically what happened this year is it was like speed dating sessions. It was 15 minutes with yeah. every single team for every single player. Uh, so yeah, every single team met with every single player at the senior bowl. Uh, so if you say the Colts met with uh, Divine Diablo or whatever at the senior bowl, cool. They also met with Alex Leatherwood and Boogie Bash, you know, all those guys. So yeah. it's, it's kind of fruitless. And with the pro days, you know, obviously it's, it's significant if they go to the pro day. I think that's something that you can keep note of. But we've seen plenty of times in the past where, you know, Chris Ballard has gone to the Notre Dame pro day, I think, before. Uh, and I don't think they've ever drafted a Notre Dame guy uh, for the Colts. So Quentin Nelson, but that was Quentin Nelson. Yeah, my fault. That was number six Nelson. overall. That, that yeah, was you're, you're not really hiding much with, with Quentin. Yeah, so Quentin Nelson, obviously. But, um, yeah, you know, they, I think they've gone to Notre Dame one a couple times. Uh, As they, they should, though. South Bend's like two and a half, three hours yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I think it's something to keep note of. I know uh, Brent does a great job of that, Phantom Nuance on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he makes those connections that people that, you know, better than most people do. Uh, it's definitely something to keep note of over the years and seeing kind of the trends and like, oh, if they go to this pro day, will they draft the guy? You know, stuff like that. But, you know, they talk to everybody, man. They, yeah. they do. Uh, yeah, I remember I I was talking to I was talking to a couple players last year, like someone from the Oregon team and someone from. Cincinnati's team, like all these teams, and it's like, yeah, I saw Colts scouts there, or I talked to the Colts here. I talked, like, they're they're just everywhere, man. Like that's especially without having the top thirty visits uh, and the people coming to your facility, like they had in years past. Mm-hmm. It's really like you know they like to get out to all those pro days. So yeah, if you see Dodds or Ballard or Reich at at certain ones, sure, make note of it. But I don't think it guarantees they're going to draft the guy. That you know they have so many guys they like in each tier. Uh, there's going to be a lot of smoke screens for a lot of guys that. You think they like or whatever, but yeah, we, we never really know till till uh till draft day here. So we'll have to see. Uh but you know, Tevin Jenkins, Christian Darisol, Quiddy Pay, I mean, those are guys they should be interested in. Uh there there's not even a, you know, there might be a chance that none of those guys are even there at twenty one. Uh so we'll, we'll have to kind of see with that. But uh yeah, I mean they should be interested in those guys. So I'm glad I'm glad that that they are. Yeah, I, I finished Quiddy Pay the other day, and I fell in love, man. I so, so good. He would be such a perfect fit for them. Um, an extension of what we were saying about the pro days, though, is I, I I feel like I've seen people speaking definitively about certain things, but you got to remember the guys you're talking about aren't the only guys at the pro day, and I'm not yeah. talking about you specifically, but like they're interested in Tommy Tremble. Okay, well Liam Eikenberg and uh, Jeremiah the linebacker. Dalen Hayes, you know, there's a bunch of guys there at Michigan, Pay, All right. Well, Jalen Mayfield as well. There's Michael always, Collins. yeah, there's always multiple guys. So, um, there, there are things to make note of. Like I, I saw like if, uh, one of the scouts or coaches is like running drills for a certain player or they've been talking to a position coach for a long time, that, that makes a lot of sense. There, there's probably something there, but yeah. Like I think the Tommy Tremble one. Uh, Reich was talking to a positional coach for like 45 minutes or something is what someone reported. Now yeah. that's something I would take note of. Like that's, that's interesting, you know, cause there's, there's technically two tight ends from Notre Dame in this class. So maybe they're looking at the other guy too, but, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's definitely more significant than just saying Chris Ballard is at the Alabama pro day. Like, okay, cool. They're Alabama. They have 40 prospects in this class, yeah. you know? So I don't know. I think it's, it's valuable to keep note of, but, if you're thinking of it as anything like predictive, um, I, I think you're going to 
you're gonna fall in love with players that aren't gonna end up with the Colts is is my only thing. You know, uh, you know they're not gonna draft Quiddy Pay and um, Joke from from um, Notre Dame and Alex Leather. You know, they're gonna draft every single one of these guys. Right. They're gonna, they're gonna draft one each round, maybe in a couple rounds they'll have two picks. But uh, yeah, like you said, it's smokescreen season. They're gonna be everywhere. Sometimes they'll go to pro days just to feign interest in someone. Uh, and to have another team trade up or whatever for their pick, so it, it, it's just it's all it's all mind games right now. Nothing's really you know. Whenever I see something like Colts are heavily interested in Tevin Jenkins, it's like, why would they tell you that? <laughs> you <know>? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, who's, like, who's getting that? <laughs> and who would give you the okay to put that out there? Like, unless it's a smokescreen. Like, and maybe they are. Maybe they are really interested in them. But I just, I, I just, you know it. It's lying season. You don't want to believe everything that you hear for sure. Yeah. And speaking of which, I know Alabama had two pro days. The second one was to make up for some of the injured guys who didn't participate in the first one because there, there were a handful. Um, it was originally reported that Frank Reich and Chris Ballard were RSVP to be at the first one. I was told they actually weren't there at that first okay. one. Can't speak to if they were, were there at the second one, but I, as far as I've been told, they didn't. Gotcha. They weren't there at the first one. Yeah, I think I was mentioning that one because I, I did hear about them being RSVP, but... Yeah. All right. So it's time for questions, and we've got pretty much every draft topic under the sun uh, on uh, on this whole round of questions, so we'll get into it. Uh, first up is from our buddy, at Ryan Derrick. He said, later round wide receivers that the Colts could groom to replace T.Y. Hilton's role. And what are your favorite tight ends in the draft that could contribute in year one? Next, I know Zach's premonition on this, but Jake, do you really think Chris Ballard and company are content with their edge rushing depth to not address it until the third round or later? Uh, so we'll start at the top with uh, the later round wide receivers that you could see. Um, I don't know if that just means as like a deep ball guy or as a potential top tier receiver of their of their depth chart. Uh, but some later wide receivers that you like for a potential TY type role down the road. See, the 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 tough thing with that is what what is the TY role right now? You know, yeah. TY, you know, a couple years ago was the vertical threat, was the guy who could win down the field. And even though he still had a couple moments last year where he was beating guys deep and making big plays down the field, I'm not too sure he's a vertical receiver anymore. I'm, I think he's more of that short to intermediate type receiver. Mm -hmm. uh, so. You know, if we're going for that type of guy, you know, Dylan Stoner out of Oklahoma State's a late round guy that I like. Uh, I think he actually had like a 6.9, uh, second, uh, three cone, uh, which is pretty solid for a receiver. Uh, had some good measurables. Every time he was asked to kind of step up there at Oklahoma State, he had a big game. Uh, he was just surrounded by NFL guys that were, you know, getting more snaps than Tylen Wallace, uh, James, James Washington, Marcel Aitman. Uh, so he never really got his chance to shine, but I think he's a good late round guy. Uh, but if you're looking for more deep guys, you know, guys who can win down the field, uh, Josh Imator Bebe out of Illinois. Uh, I really, really like his game. He's he's basically just a two, he runs like two routes right now, a fly route and an eight, and a bang eight is, are the two routes he runs. Basically, it's a quick slant and a fly route. Uh, so very DK Metcalf with his route tree right now, yeah. but I think he does those routes at a really high level. He's a great blocker. Uh, he had that 46.5 inch vertical at his That's pro day. That's so stupid. Like yeah. <laughs> because, you know, he did it as a, he did that as a senior in high school coming out too. He jumped 46 inches, uh, at a, at a pro day event thing. If you look at it, he looks like he hits like a peak and then he floats up a little bit more and then comes down. It's, it's crazy to watch it, the slow mos of those jumps. 
Uh, but yeah, he's he's an absolute freak. He's a guy to take a shot on. And another one, uh, Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech always has some great athletes at receiver that just never really developed there. But he had a ton of injuries uh, throughout his career, had some bad quarterback play, but was able to put up 400 yards this past season. Uh, I believe he also tested out the charts. He actually had 30 reps on the bench uh, at his pro day for a receiver, which if you guys want to know how much that is, that's I think that's more than what Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport combined for on the bench. <laughs> I think that they combined for like, right. thir- actually, no, I think they combined for like 32 reps and they're offensive tackles. Uh, he's, he did 30 as a receiver. So, uh, he also, I think had like 40 inch vertical. Uh, there's some clips. I think he, it was against the Clemson this past year where he, uh, hit a double move on the Clemson corner and was just wide open down the field. Great touchdown. Uh, there's some highlights in his game that I really think, uh, could be, you know, a good vertical threat in the league. So, you know, this is a really deep wide receiver class. Uh, so they, they can find whatever typing of guy they want, though, on day three. Yeah, and um, now I don't know what his stock truly is, but uh, Diami Brown from UNC, I saw him mock to the second round, I think. I think Mel Kuyper had him in the second round in this last mm-hmm. one. Um, but I've also seen him on day three. He's He's more of a big play guy with questionable hands. Is that right? Yeah, my thing with Diamond Brown is he's basically a two route runner as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's the flyer route and the curl route, the the hitch route. Uh, the thing is that he does those at a super super high level, and the way that he is as a vertical threat, I mean, it's it's great speed. It's also the way that he leverages himself down the field. You know, he's able to box box out and go up and get it, uh, and he tracks the ball super well too. So he's probably like honestly, if you're talking about pure deep threats, he might be the best in this class. Uh, and, and I think there's been a lot of buzz lately about him maybe being a first round pick. Uh, I think we've seen with, with Chris Sims. I think Chris Sims has him as wide receiver three. Uh, there's, there's other sites too. I think Kuiper or someone moved him up pretty high recently. Uh, so I, yeah, I think he might be a sneaky, like late first, maybe to like the Packers if they actually go receiver. Uh, but yeah, man, if he's there at 54 and, you know, they, they feel good about offensive tackle and edge. Uh, yeah, I, I think that he could be a nice pick, you know, add some some deeper element to this team. Yeah, that if there's multiple big name analysts moving him up around the same yeah. time, that kind of makes it sound like they're here in the league likes him a, a good bit, especially if they're moving him up to like second round, things like that. Uh, and then Ryan also asked, what are your favorite tight ends in the draft that contribute in year one? So this is tricky because tight end is one of the slowest developing positions in the league. You, yep. you rarely see even the best tight ends contribute right away. Uh, but if I was going to say, I mean, Kyle Pitts, but the Colts have zero chance Docker. of getting him. You went yeah. way under the radar on that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> they have zero chance of getting him. Um, I think if you're talking about the Colts, there's three main guys you're looking at probably on day two. Uh, and that's uh, that's Pat, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, and Tommy Tremble. I think those guys are well-rounded and plenty capable of contributing. Uh, someone later on that I've I've looked at is Miller Forrest, all from Alabama. He does a lot of different things as well, which could lead to him contributing. Uh, if if you like a guy like Hale Hentges and things like that, then Forrest all. I know there's that Alabama connection, but kind of similar in, in my book. Um, was there anyone else that you saw? Yeah, the, the main two that I'll add to that is uh, Hunter Long from Boston College. Uh, had an outstanding season last year and was basically the number one target on that Boston College offense. Uh, so he was, you know, drawing double teams a lot and a uh, really smooth route runner. Not overly fast or explosive, but really quick in and out of his breaks. He knows how to leverage himself and he knows how to get open. So 
Uh, I think Frank Wright could do wonders with him. I think he's kind of like a, a much better version of Trey Burton and kind of what Trey Burton could do. Uh, so I could definitely see Wright falling in love with him maybe on in like the third or fourth round. Uh, so he, he's one to watch. And then, um, more on day three, Kylan Granson out of SMU. Uh, super, super athletic tight end. He's a little bit smaller. I think he's only 230 pounds. So he's kind of like that kind of flex move tight end receiver type thing. Uh, but just a really gifted athlete who gets in and out of his breaks. He can win vertically down the field, runs hard with the ball in his hands. Uh, I've really become a fan of Kylan Granson over this uh, draft process. So those are two guys. Um, that I think, you know, that late day two, early day three type range, if they want to go tight end uh, and get a guy who could, you know, make an impact in year one, I think both those guys fit. And also both are senior bowl guys. And we yeah. know how Chris Ballard thinks about senior bowl guys. So that's another thing just to add to those two. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say that. And, and another thing about the senior bowl, again, with no combine, we already know the Colts love senior bowl players. I think that doubles in weight this year because yeah. there was no combine. And so the senior bowl, partially acted as their interview process for the combine. Yeah. I'm actually shocked last year they didn't draft that many senior bowl guys. I think they only took Pittman. And Blackman was gonna be a senior bowl guy. Yeah, Pitt or Blackman would have been there. Windsor, I think, was a senior bowl guy. And Windsor, yeah. It was Windsor and Pittman. And that was it, I think. But there's always someone and it's always early to it seems. Yeah. Pinter wasn't there. Eason wasn't there. Pinter was was Shrine Game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then Rogers was on nobody's radar, and Patman was Shrine, I mm. believe, as well. Yep, yep. All right, and then uh, his his last one. I know Zach's premonition on this, but Jake, do you really think Ballard and company are content with their edge-rushing depth to not address it until the third round or later? Content? No. But willing to force it? Also, no. Like, I don't think... So let's say it's 21 and their guys are Quiddy Pay and Jalen Phillips and they're both off the board and their next ranked is like Ojulari or Jason Owe, but they don't have them until they don't have them ranked until like the end of the first. They're not just going to take them because they need an edge. And the same can be said in the second round. Um, so I think they would be disappointed they didn't have their guy but I don't think they would force it at the same time. Um, it's something that has to be addressed, though. I don't think they can come out of this draft without an edge rusher that they're happy with. Yeah, but we said the same thing about free agency. That's, that's true. <laughs> but, okay, so everything everything that has come from that building so far about free agency has been talking about they never planned on spending much because of the upcoming contract extension. Whether or not that's true or just an excuse for like not pulling in the expensive guys, maybe it has been their plan to make sure they come out of this draft because it's this is a very odd draft class, I think. You don't often have this quality of edge rushers available where they're picking, likely. Um, so maybe they knew all along that would be the case. I don't know. Yeah. I will say, because Ryan, I saw him asking every every beat reporter this question earlier, mm-hmm. and I think he's just scared of my premonition that <laughs> Colts don't draft edge early. Uh, the way that I see it, and again, this is purely speculative. It's not anything based off of reports or or anything I've heard. You know, I, I think the first pick they're going to make is going to be offensive tackle. I, I think you can almost lock that one. That in. writing is, I think that's on the wall. Um, unless unless Pay or Phillips are there, I think it's tackle. 
even if Pear Phillips there, I think it might still be tackle. Like, I, I think they're not even hiding that they're going to go tackle early, which is fine. You know, go mm-hmm. tackle, uh, solidify that line. Uh, but after that, I think it gets a little murky and we've seen a lot this offseason. I think we saw in the Ursay interviews. We've seen it in the Ballard interviews. We've definitely seen it in the Reich ones where they said they want to get a playmaking receiver or tight end or both in this, this offseason. You know, they've mentioned it a lot, another playmaker in this offense. And since you didn't get that in free agency, I feel like day two of the draft is where you're going to go with, you know, wide receiver or a tight end. And then, you know, currently that's two of your two picks that you have in those first two days. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I am assuming there's going to be a trade back and they're going to get like a third or a fourth back. Uh, but I just don't see Edge being one of those first two picks uh, just from thinking about that. And also, I know that they're this is based off of report based off the stuff I've heard. But I know there's a lot of secondary guys they really, really like on day two. Uh, some safeties and some corners that they really, really like. So they, they could definitely go with one of those spots too. So yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Part of me just feels like they're not going to go edge like as early as we want them to, even though we all hope they do. And, and, you know, honestly, I don't even know if it'll be like one of those weak side edge rushers. I think it might be one of those strong side guys where it's like a more of a guy who's going to be good against the run and has some power to this game. But. We'll have to see, you know, again, obviously all of this is just speculative by me right now, but I just really do think it's going to be offensive tackle early. And then you're going to be looking at a playmaker type on offense, whether that's tight end or, or receiver going forward after that. Yeah. You, so you mentioned tight end or receiver potentially usurping edge as, as a, as a high priority. Mm-hmm. I kind of think, like you said, I think cornerback is in there as well. I feel like yeah. we've heard it a couple times and I just wrote about it today. Uh, Jim Irsay spoke to the media yesterday. He was asked if the Colts could find left tackle and edge in this draft. He he agreed, but he also, on his own, without being asked, added cornerback in there. Yeah. If I'm reading between the lines, it kind of tells me that the draft meetings he's been a part of, or when he's talked to Chris and Frank, cornerback has probably been mentioned near the top of their list of likes. Yeah, and I will... Again, say that safety, I know there's a couple they really, really like on day two. Yeah, It might be something they look at on day three, but uh, there are a couple safeties they really, really like on day two. So if they go safety, it's, you know, to get back to some three safety looks, maybe get Julian Blackman uh, in the slot or like down a corner a little bit, you know, they can be a little creative with it. I could definitely see them going safety as well. I think there's a lot of ways they go. It's just, I don't know, part of me, it's more of a gut feeling, says that they're not going to take an edge as early as we hope, uh, which... You know, it's fine. Ben Banigou season and Pomoko Ture season, so I'm cool with it. But, you know, I, I just <laughs> – part of me is just trying to be like temper expectations on your Quiddy Pays and Jalen Phillips because I feel like offensive tackle is going to go first. Yeah, yeah. And if if that goes first, then those guys will not be around for 54. Yeah. Okay, so next up is from uh, Keenan. Do you think there's skill positional redundancy between Quiddy Pay? and Ture and Banigou. In other words, should we be more focused on prospects who project at strong side defensive end? Um, so I I think Pay would be perfectly fine playing uh, the weak side. I just think he happens to be a good run defender and could play the strong side. Yeah, um, I have him graded as a strong... I like grade him for the Colts as a strong side is where I would put him personally. I don't yeah. think, Would you prefer him as strong or weak? I... Uh, I think it just depends on who else is performing well because I think he could play either. I think because of how he is as a run defender, it would be great if he could play the strong side. And if someone like 
Ture stepped up and stayed healthy to play the weak side. Um, I don't know how high the Colts will prioritize a strong side, though, to be honest with you. Uh, just from, just kind of from some off the record stuff before, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like something they're willing to pay too heavily for as much as they would be a pass rushing weak side guy. Yeah. I may, I may be wrong, but that's just kind of how I've, that's kind of how I've interpreted that. Yeah. But it's interesting, you know, thinking about his question there, um, do they feel confident with their weak side rotation being Ture, Banagu, and a little bit of Al-Qadim Muhammad? I currently, think so. that's what I mean. So do you draft a weak side and then basically push one of those young, young two out? Because you know, Al-Qadim Muhammad's going to play. That's just mm-hmm. how they are. They're going to, they're going to play him. Uh, hopefully it's that strong side so he doesn't eat up the snaps of the young guys on, on the weak side, but he'll probably play some weak side and, and take those snaps anyway. So say you do draft someone, let's say Shaka Tony, because he's the perfect example of weak Love side. Weak side yeah. <laughs> he's, definitely weak, he's not playing strong side. Yeah. Uh, let's say Shaka, say you draft Shaka Tony. You're going to have that log jam of young pass rushers there on weak side with, you know, uh, Rochelle, and Taekwon Lewis on strong side. So not really that much there. So it, it is kind of interesting to see like if they do go pass rusher, they do go edge rusher in this class. Do they prioritize the, the weak side or the strong side? I'm more inclined personally to look at strong side guys or more power type guys, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I want to see Ture and Bandigou at least get on the field this year. Uh, but if they do go with another weak side guy, you're looking at maybe another project to go with your two projects that you already aren't playing. So it's just kind of, you know, it, it's tough to add another another young guy unless they're like a top quitty pay type player to that weak side group. Yeah, I really don't know if they're going to add another project, which is why if again, if Pay or Phillips or someone else they've identified as a as a no doubt guy, if they can't get him, I don't see Jason Owe going or even Ojolari. I just think those guys probably aren't as ready made as the Colts need right now, because again. Ture and Bandigou are still projects, so you can't, you can, but it doesn't seem like a great idea to add another project at the position. Yeah. And then from our boy Jay, uh, do you view tight end or wide receiver as the bigger need? Also, why is Diami Brown going to be such a good pick at 54? <laughs> we talked about Diami Brown, yeah. so hopefully he got his fix in when we talked about that. Yeah. But well, he told us that's his guy this year. Yeah, he did tell us. Him and uh, uh, Amir Smith-Marset. Yeah, his guys. Um, that which is pretty cool. I like both those guys. He likes those vertical threat type guys, and for some reason, he also like Paris Campbell with his low A dot. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I would probably say wide receiver for me. Uh, and specifically, I'd say vertical threat wide receiver. Uh, I, I'm fairly happy with you know they have their two tight ends currently. They could either bring Trey Burton back or they could bring in an undrafted free agent. I'm sure Frank Reich will be fine with that group. I mean, we've seen Jack Dole have the success he's had over the years. Marley Cox, when he's gotten a shot, I mean, he just happens to get injured and play through his injuries the last couple of years. Uh, so I feel okay with tight end. You know, you'd obviously like to have a guy like like Pat Fryermuth in this offense. So, you know, that would be nice if they target him. But I really do think they need a vertical threat wide receiver. Because I think when you look at the makeup of this receiver group, you know, you have Michael Pittman Jr., who's good after the catch and has strong hands, you know, good player. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, who can win any route within short to intermediate and sometimes win deep, but not very often anymore. Uh, Zach Pascal, who has great hands and very reliable, but he's not the greatest separator. 
I think you have a lot of really good influx of player. You know, Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy, is great underneath guy who can grab the catch. Uh, you need someone who, who can like stretch the field and open up everything though. They don't really have that right now. And the closest thing they've had to that the last couple of years is Marcus Johnson, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy or stay on the roster. Uh, and I think he's currently in Tennessee right now. Yeah. So. Uh, unless they really think Des Patman can be that, I, I do think they need a, a vertical threat receiver. And, and like we mentioned the other question, you know, it can be a day three guy. Uh, I think that's perfectly fine. But maybe getting one on day two, you know, uh, Emir Smith, Marset, or Diami Brown type guy on day two to really open up the, the field and, and create more space for this offense, I think that would be huge. And, and we know Carson Wentz likes vertical receivers. You know, he, he's always been that way. Uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar was someone he had great connection with uh, in Philly during that Super Bowl run. So, yeah, I, I think they want to add a, a guy who can get down the field. And I hope that they, uh, you know, if they are targeting receiver, that's the type of guy they go for. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I, I think they, they're they already ready to get by with tight end with what they have. That's not to say they couldn't use more. Yeah. And I, I think they have to address it coming up soon. Jack Doyle is not getting younger, and it's not like he's the most athletic guy to begin with. Mo Alley Cox hasn't been the whole package. He's been a very good, a good option for them, but I just don't see him being their premier tight end for the next five years. Mm-hmm. So I think they have to probably address it at some point coming up. But I think the more immediate need, like you said, is receiver, especially if you just made this investment in Carson Wentz. Get, and it was a problem last year of of going downfield. Now part of that was Philip Rivers' arm, um, yeah. But they just need downfield threats to mesh with with Wentz well and to diversify the offense because you can't just, I mean, you can't just make the passing game so kind of one or two dimensional. You have to have kind of the full spectrum of of options. So I I would agree with you. Yeah, one guy who makes a ton of sense on day two. You know, hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, Nico Collins from Michigan, yes. uh, senior bowl guy, uh, tested off the charts in, in his pro day, uh, can win down the field, go up and get it, uh, kind of was hindered by bad quarterback play throughout his time at Michigan. Uh, Jay Patterson. Jay Patterson, first overall pick in <laughs> some mocks before last, last year, but, Heinous. uh, definitely, definitely keep an eye on Nico Collins. I think he could be a, Somewhat surprising day two pick for the Colts, but he fits every single thing they want in a, in a receiver. Uh, and I think that just makes so much sense for what Ballard has gone for in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up from our boy Max Houghton, since the Colts are going to kill me and take an offensive tackle in round <laughs> one, which we've talked about, who are the tackles they would take in the first pick? So we'll just kind of go over the more realistic options and the ones that we would like. Um, my, my preference would be Christian Darisol, but I just don't know if he's going to be there at 21. I think he, I think he's very well-rounded. He's athletic. He's tenacious. He's strong. I think he, he's one of those guys that could fit in day one. Um, you're obviously looking at, um, Kevin Jenkins, Sam Cosme, Jalen Mayfield there in, in round one. Um, you don't really know where Eichenberger Leatherwood will go, whether it's, bottom of the first top of the second but that's that's probably the early guys you're looking at at the position yeah i would say gut again just more of gut feeling here i don't think tevin jenkins is going to be there i think his absolute floor is probably chicago at pick number 19 
uh, probably ceiling is probably in the top 12 or so. Like, again, great pro day, great tape. I, I think that he's going to go much higher than what people think. I think Darisol could be there. Uh, I would say I feel somewhat confident he'll be there. We'll, we'll just have to see. And I think that's a slam dunk pick if they go with that one. Uh, I think the most Chris Ballard pick, though, would be Alex Leatherwood with if, if they, you know, if they move back, maybe even if they stay at 21. Uh, just elite athlete and his testing as pro day. Uh, for I think he was a three or four year starter at Alabama, too. Like that, that rarely happens. Uh, super long arms, uh, good in the run game, has some issues in the pass game, but you can, you know, you'll be next to Quentin Nelson in a quick passing offense. Yeah. So you can, you can survive. Uh, and also a senior bowl guy too. So I think, you know, those things all kind of fit for Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and the one other guy I'll talk about is Cosme. I, I, I can't go too much in detail of it because it's just not my thing to talk about. But yeah. when you see other analysts and like, like Kuiper and McShay have them and have him in the second round of the, of the mocks, uh, there, there is a reason for that. Uh, so I, I don't think he's going to go round one. He might go round two. I don't know if Colts will be the team to take a, a shot on him, but. There's a reason he's not rated as high as some other ones, even though I think his film is just as good, if not better, than a lot of these guys. But I think Darisol or Leatherwood are probably the most likely ones, and I think both would be really good fits in this offense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as as for Leatherwood, if if he's the right guy, I'm thinking of he also had a full year starting at right guard in 2018. Is that right? He might have. Yeah, you know, I think he he moved around quite a bit. I know that they shuffle a lot because I know like Cedric or uh, Jedrick Will. Moved around a lot, and yeah, they and, always uh, have a rotation of of first round offensive linemen. So it's kind yeah. of finding where you fit later in your career. But yeah, yeah, so he's he's got starting experience at the two weakest links on the Colts line right now. <laughs> so that's that's a, a fair pick. There we go. We move Glowinski out to left tackle, and we put him. At right oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I I forget what I feel like it was right tackle. Yeah, it was right tackle because it, it was the year the Colts were really going with. It was 2018. I remember in camp, they were still trying to figure out right tackle. And uh, Glowinski had some snaps in camp, and it was big bad. You, you wouldn't think that he would settle in so well at right guard later that season, but his I think it was the right tackle snaps or remember, center. He also did, he played some center in the preseason game, and he was awful. Remember, he Maybe like, that was it. He had yeah. three bad snaps. Remember, that like three is... snaps, and it was like poor Brad Kaya that was getting lit up in the back. In the back. Oh, Brad Kaya! I forgot about yeah. him. It was old Brad Kaya getting lit up in the backfield there, but yeah. So he, they tried him at center, and I think they did try him a little bit at right tackle too. But mm-hmm. yeah, who would have thought that he'd be our starting right guard three years later? Uh, and a good one too, a pretty good one. Like, look at the glow up. Yeah, look at the glow up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize the. Uh, <laughs> I didn't no even realize way. the iron. No way you made that I really, off. I really didn't. But now I'm super proud of myself. <laughs> Dude, that wow. was a great one. I was giving you credit right there, and you didn't even realize. Well, I'm nothing if not honest. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you totally taking credit. You should have yeah. had the realization and just kept it to yourself. Damn it! All right. <laughs> All right. Next up is from a good friend of the show, Felipe Casa. Let's have a presumption. The Colts will address both tight end and wide receiver during the draft, which option would then be more valuable. Uh, draft a tight end at 54, uh, which means maybe getting Pat Fryermuth or Tommy Trimble and a wide receiver later, like day three, 
or to draft a wide receiver at 54, which is maybe Diane Brown or um, uh, Tony from Florida, and then get a tight end later. So prioritize wide receiver than tight end or tight end than wide receiver. Yeah, so in my mind, the guys who will be there, if I put names to, to spots, you know, it'd be like, do I want to go Tommy Tremble at 54 along with uh, Josh Amator Baby on, on day three? Or do I want to go with Nico Collins and then say Kyle, Kylan Granson? I think you can go right with either one of these options. But personally, again, I'd rather have the high-level wide receiver here. You know, I, I, I'd just rather take that shot on a, on a receiver who can do more for my offense. I feel like tight end's perfectly fine with what Wright can do with that position. So, yeah, I, I would personally go with the receiver higher, especially someone like Nico Collins or Diami Brown. I think so too. I, I think the tight end could probably, or the receiver could probably contribute a little quicker. Yeah, Fryermuth's interesting though. Like yeah, he really, would be there at fifty-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, are, be, there are guys I'd be willing to bite for that. You know, Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan. I wouldn't mind Tommy Tremble again. That's the three you're kind of looking at on day three. Yeah. Um, next up from No Fatties Nate. <laughs> What what substance should I use to numb the pain when they waste pick twenty one on a tackle? And then to that tweet, I saw that Brokomi John responded with the uh, John Ralphio gif, <laughs> which I really appreciated. Um, CBD oil. That's what we're gonna. <laughs> CBD oh yeah, oil. coming to you soon in this uh, ad read in a bit. We get paid to talk about CBD, so yeah, you can you can. <laughs> You can uh, use some CBD to calm your uh, calm down your anxiety with that. That would have been a beautiful segue into the app. Yeah, we, we should have jumped. We right have to do it. There. Now we're doing it. Okay, we're moving this ad up to right now to fit <laughs> to fit Zach's segue. Support for our broadcast is brought to you by Just Live, a trusted source for high quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. I'm sure you can agree, Zach, but with draft prep pretty much never ending this time of year, drowsiness, stress, and focus can be an issue during the day. That's why Just Live came out with their new CBD gummy line. They have six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. Plus, they're vegan and low sugar. Just Live was founded by professional athletes Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, Paul Rodriguez because they wanted to create a CBD product they could trust and could stand behind. If you need support with sleep, focus, energy, stress, or immune health, I highly recommend giving these a try. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from, and instead of just choosing one, visit justlive.com and use code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free of the new gummies line with code SUPPORT at justlive.com. That's buy one, get one free at just justlive.com. Use code SUPPORT. So Jake, it's <laughs> buy one, get what free? <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just you know, we had to just put in there like eight times so you guys know. Yeah, just buy one, get one free. Man, when our shipment of those gets in, I'm going to be relaxed as shit reporting on the draft. Oh, dude, I'm going to take all of them at once and see what happens. I, I am going to say on the bag that they're not going to recommend that. <laughs> There's got to be a dosage. Could you about take energy, sleep, 
relaxation and like all of it just at once and then i become superhuman it's when like, you, when you it's combine like them yeah when you combine them all into one the formula is coma <laughs> i can just snap my fingers and the colts take quitty pay <laughs> <laughs> that'd be beautiful oh, okay continuing your questions everyone from uk colts fan what do you think chris ballard's opinion on the players who have opted out will be this is an interesting question yeah. Uh, do you think this will factor into any of the drafting decisions? So I don't, as far as not knowing what those players' development looked like last year, I think that factors into it. I think Marvell Tell is one player they would have absolutely loved to see what he was going to look like in year two. Yeah. Um, because of that, yeah, that that means cornerback is still an area to address um, for the future. You're okay this year, but you'd love to add another player or two there. Um, yeah, that's that again. That's a good question. Um, as far as like holding it against them, no, I don't think he would do that because last year was such a unique situation. But in terms of their their spot on the team, yeah, I mean you have to you have to basically approach them as if they were suspended all last year or had a torn ACL and were out all last year. You don't know what they could have done last year, basically. Yeah, you basically view those guys as like they lost a year of development, which which sucks. But yeah, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, they're not really the types that would hold this over a player's head or or hold it against them. And I mean, we, we've seen that, I think, what Milligan, Sky Moore and Marvel Tell, the three guys who opted out, they're all currently part of the roster. Like none of them were brought back and then released immediately. So that just tells me that they're planning on evaluating those guys here in the off season and, and we'll kind of see what happens from there. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be something where, you know, some people are saying that they should be cut right away for it. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to happen like that. Yeah. No, I think those guys will be given every chance to compete in camp like they would have, if they would have played last year, Derek Schultz. What does Zach think of Carson Wentz's MVP chances and the strong likelihood of Justin Houston breaking the single season sack record should he resign? Let's hear it. <laughs> he was close once. <laughs> he was damn close once. Yeah, really close once. Uh, no, like, so Carson Wentz, I hope he wins MVP. Like, I'd, I'd be a really big fan of that. I, I would go, I would shave my, no, actually, I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> oh. No, because my... I was I was gonna say I would shave like my beard off and stuff too. My wife would probably leave. Oh, me. that's that's okay. That's her thing. She doesn't care about my head being shaved. She cares about my beard and mustache because she doesn't like my chin. Um, yeah, I look like a whole mess too if I shave. I look like a huge fat baby. It is not good. <laughs> but yeah, I hope he wins MVP. It'd be great. I'd love to go bald for that. I'd I'd, perp- I'd be perfectly fine going bald for an MVP Carson Wentz, but. In regards to Justin Houston, that's just Derek playing on the fact that I don't want Justin Houston back. And and the main reason, again, being that I just don't want someone who was fairly ineffective last year. And I say ineffective in a way that, you know, he played a majority of snaps and he did have good sack numbers. But when it came to total pressures and actually influencing the pocket and influencing the quarterback, he just didn't do enough. Uh, I'd rather just see Ture or Banagupo out there and and sink or swim you know i'd rather sink or swim by the young guys than just have a stagnated uh fairly washed up veteran take that spot um you know i'd rather just draft a guy than bring back justin houston so you know if houston comes back i'll root for him to break the sack record obviously but 
I, I per- personally prefer the the young guys to to get those snaps. I don't really want Houston taking those snaps from them, even if he would be an upgrade over them currently. I would still rather just see what they have than than put him back out there. Yeah, that if they brought him back to me, it would be after the draft, and it would mean they struck out on bringing anyone back or, or drafting a, a defensive end. It would be a safety move. Like they just want to have bodies there, bodies they can trust, and that's why they would bring him back. Especially after bringing back Muhammad, yeah. if they brought back both, it means they struck out in the draft to me at least. Uh, next up from Brokomi John. In light of Julian Edelman's retirement and unnecessary Hall of Fame talk, who do you think is the most underrated short white receiver, short white wide receiver, and why is it Griff Whalen? I'm actually, so this generation doesn't probably ever consider Steve Largent, but he was under six foot tall and he was basically, he was basically the best receiver in NFL history before Jerry Rice, I believe. And let me, while you give your answer, I'm researching one more name to make some confirmation here. Are you talking about Wayne Corbett is what you're going to look up? No, Wayne Corbett didn't wear gloves, which is horseshit, so I can't. Oh, no, that makes him even better. That makes him even better for the small white receiver. <laughs> you know how gritty you have to be to not wear gloves? You know, you have to have that 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 coach mentality to not wear gloves. That's in- just uh, – I, rem- I remember when I was a kid and I collected football cards. I didn't really know who the players were yet, but I would get Wayne Corbett, and I'd be like, why isn't this dude wearing gloves? What, are, <laughs> what the hell is happening here? My an- my other answer was Lance Allworth, but he was like six foot tall. He's not oh. really short. But Lance Allworth and Steve Largent were still are two of the NFL's best receivers of all time and white. Yeah, I would say for a guy who – Obviously, he's not near the level of Steve Largen or Allworth, but I think Wes Welker gets a little bit slept on with the career that he had. Uh, he he was pretty darn good for a little bit there until concussions obviously took a toll. But uh, yeah, I mean, with 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 Brady, he was the number two or number three guy with Gronk kind of emerging too. But you know, behind Randy Moss or whatever, he was also like a thousand yard receiver. Uh, and then with Peyton Manning and and Denver, I mean, obviously you benefit from playing with two Hall of Fame, like arguably the two greatest quarterbacks to ever play. But he had a really good career for, you know, considering his size and, and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever I think of the, the, the white slot receiver, I think of Wes Welker. I don't think of Julian Edelman. Yeah, it, that that was my real answer was Wes Welker. He had crazy stats, even yeah. with Randy Moss, which, of course, Moss took some attention off. But he also played from the slot. Welker actually kind of got on the map before he ever went to the Patriots. He was... He was a nice little punt returner and did some nice things with the Dolphins. Yeah. And then uh, the Rams wanted him, so the Rams went out and got him. And then I think he went to – I might be mixing it up, but I think he went to the Patriots from the Rams. No, no. Uh, the Rams around. was Amendola. But he still played – no, I think the Rams was like his last team. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I but thought regardless, the Rams Amendola. Yeah, regardless, he made a name for himself first with the Dolphins before he went to the Patriots. But yeah. – Amendola was on the Rams too, but I think Walker was as well. Actually, all their little white receivers that the Patriots got all started with someone else, and they brought like Chris Hogan was with the Bills. Yeah, uh, Amendola was with the Rams. Walker was with the Dolphins. So yeah, they they just they recruit them from every team to bring them over there, and some of them are great. Wes Walker, Julian Edelman was great for his period there. Amendola had a good little run, uh, but you know it it is what it is. <laughs> but I, I I root for all the little white guys because that that's that's just another guy that's. You know, makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> but the answer is not Griff Whalen, though. 
It's not Griff Whalen. Maybe not. uh, who, who was the one that they took in the first round but had all the concussions? Anthony Gonzalez. Yeah, does he count? No, I don't know. No, <laughs> I'm no. not sure. He was he was really good though. It, he's someone if you would have just like Austin Collie, but Collie was over six foot. Either of those guys, if they would have stayed healthy, they were really good players when they were healthy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next up from Adrenate to Jake. So this this one, and I'll let you answer too. Um, but yeah, I really like this question. Rate your favorite times for beers. Example: Friday afternoon beers, shower beers, golfing beers, Indy five hundred beers, beach beers, etc. He said, my wife said last night, the best beers are when they're BYOB and she's on to something. <laughs> so I gave this one some thought and I think the best beer is the first beer of vacation. Especially if it's, um, especially if it's, you're somewhere tropical or like a beach, yeah, Florida, wherever, what have you, a warm weather thing. That first beer of vacation is just, it's chef kiss. And I'm going, I'll be on vacation about this time next month. And I'm already so ready for that first beer of vacation. That is my answer. That's yours. Yeah, I think the first beer of vacation would probably be mine as well. I'd also say the the first beer, like on a Friday night after a long week of work. That is a good beer. Yeah. I, I do that like every Friday. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just, you just crack, like, cause you know, you don't, I try not to drink throughout the week when I have work like the next day. So, you know, you had a super long week at work and then you just like sit on the couch, open up your beer. And even if it's a crappy beer, like that first sip is just like, oh, it's cold breathe. and it hits. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I can breathe now. I'm, I'm actually home, you know, like that one hits. But yeah, the first beer of vacation, especially if you're like sitting on a deck, like looking out to the beach or something like that. Like that's too good. That's so good. Yeah. A golf beer is another one too because your first one is usually at like eight or nine a.m. <laughs> but like you crush beer throughout. If you're playing eighteen holes, you're probably gonna have like ten beers at least. So that, my thing with fiber play golf is to drink a lot of beer. So then when I'm playing bad, you think it's because of the beer, you know? It's yeah, that's nice. a good excuse. I like that. But I do. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I when I play golf, my thing is I get better the less I. The less I, or the more I get out of my head and I'm not thinking as much, it's when I play better. Yeah. So it's kind of like beer pong, you know, the, the farther you go into the drinking, the, the better you get and you let your guard down. True. True. All right. This, this one is, is, uh, another good example of something we've been talking about. This is from my Colts account, Jeremy Stevenson. Uh, he said, and when he sent this, it was the date. It's April 14th, 2021. In January 2022, when we complain about the downfall of the season being the lack of pass rush at the edge, is it fair game to doubt Chris Ballard's binder? Yes, absolutely. It's okay to doubt it right now. It's okay to doubt anything. <laughs> yeah. will, again, no, I, will always, yeah. I will always be a part of this. Uh, you should never be like complacent or content with things. Even if you're like, like if you're a fan of the chiefs right now, you know, the last you've gone to a super bowl, and you've won a Super Bowl and lost Super Bowl the last two years. And you have the greatest quarterback in the league. Maybe, you know, we don't know where he'll be at all time at the end of his career, but like it's looking great, right? You should still be questioning that team, you know, and, and the same what we should do with the Colts. You know, obviously there's nitpicking stuff and you can acknowledge that you're nitpicking, but you should, you should always be questioning and, and, and questioning the binder even, even if the binders got you, 
uh, multiple All Pros and playoff appearances, and hasn't won you a Super Bowl. It hasn't continued to be perfect. So yeah, you should always be questioning. I think Ballard questions it too. So why why shouldn't we question it? Yeah, he's he's looking to improve himself as as well if if something doesn't work out. But absolutely, again, we we talked about not ever questioning something because you like it is basically just being in a cult and that's not good. <laughs> like there, there's reason. So I, I, I think Chris Ballard is a great GM and he's the right man for the job. But if there's something that he is consistently not delivering at, then you have to question it. And we, we, we knew, we knew during the season last year, the edge was going to be a big need this off season. And guess what? So far there's been almost no answer to it. There's been a loss. It's just one. It's just actually, been, yeah. That yeah. one of your leading sackers is gone, and you really haven't replaced that. So, your, top, your top two leading sackers currently are not on the roster. That exactly. Good point. And then, so if we go through this season and they had and they had very little production from the edge, then yeah, like you, you have to you have to say that was a big L they saw coming and didn't do anything about. Yeah, but the other other side of it, which I think you and I are good good at compared to some other people, and that's not me trying to pat on my back, but I'm gladly I'm I'm glad to be wrong. I love being wrong. Yeah, I mean I'll shave my head over being wrong, obviously. So <laughs> I'm glad with being wrong. But uh, you know, obviously I have a lot of faith in Ben Banigou and Kamoko Ture. But even if, say they bring back Houston, uh, and even if those guys don't play, like they just have good year off the edge with Houston and a rookie and. And whoever, Banigou and Ture, who are, all these guys, whatever, like they do have a very productive year. I'll take back all my bad things I said. I'll, I'll gladly say, hey, I was wrong. I should have trusted the binder on this one thing. You know, that it's it's obviously both ways, but I feel like you need to have conviction with with things that you think and, and, and say like, hey, I don't like the way Ballard approached this, even though he knows more than me. I think that this was a mistake. And then if it ends up being a mistake, you can say, look, this is this is what I said. I'm going to stick with it. And if it ends up not being a mistake, acknowledge that, hey, Ballard was right. My, my bad. You know, I, I, it's just you should never not question something just because, you know, like they're in the league and you're not or or, you know, because they have, you know, like all this kind of stuff. You should never not question anything and be complacent. You know, if, if you think that some the, a process was wrong, question it. And then you might be proven right or wrong with it. Like it doesn't. You know, it shouldn't change your process at all. So I, I'm always of the mindset that you should question everything. Like everything should be up for question, uh, even if you are nitpicking. Yep, exactly. Next up from Levi Bradley. Is there any chance we see a surprise Ballard trade up? If so, who would it be for? <laughs> and then also, does Ballard use his burner to make sure he never does what Zach wants? <laughs> <laughs> I have really struck out this offseason with everything I wanted. Uh, I mean, no, I, I did like the Chris Reed. Uh, yeah, Chris Reed signing. I, I became yeah. a really big fan of that one. So, you know, Chris knows. Chris knows. Yeah. We, 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 we talk every now. I'm goes sure he's down in the DMs. He's one of the guys who hits me up and calls me an idiot throughout the, the whole process. <laughs> that would be hilarious. The, he shows up in the Stampede Blue uh, comment section. <laughs> but, um, I I do I I will say I I won't put the possibility of Ballard trading up at zero. I just think it'll be on day three. I don't think it'll be in the first two rounds. There, there's I can pretty confidently say that first round he's not going to trade up. Like mm-hmm. there's no chance he's trading up in the first. Uh, in the second round maybe if there's someone he really really likes, but I doubt it. I I think again it's more likely that he trades back. 
Uh, he just doesn't have that many picks to play with. You know, he doesn't have that third round pick to trade up with, and he doesn't have a first or second to use in a trade next year. So, I, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. I, I, and obviously we've we've heard Ballard talk about it where guys that he has ranked, you know, I think it's from like twenty to forty or whatever he has all in the same tier. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So picking at twenty one, maybe you know guys in that tier will be there, but he'll he'll want to trade back and get more picks. So I just don't I don't see a trade up happening until like maybe day three. Uh, you know, we we saw the the big trade up he did in twenty eighteen for Kari Willis. We could definitely see something like that if if someone he likes is there in the fourth. But I, I think that's the earliest you're looking at a trade up with Chris Ballard. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it would be the first couple days, especially given there's no third round pick. When he's done it before, um, Kari Willis was fourth round. Jonathan Taylor was second round, but they only went up like three picks. And again, they had more ammo at the time than they do this year. Yeah, they um, traded up for Taekwon Lewis, I believe, too. But that yeah, was they, also... They traded up for Taekwon. That was end of the second, I think. Yeah, and that was when they had a ton of ton of ammo. Like, yeah, they, they had, like, had like four or five picks. Like, in, yeah, they, they had a, a ton to work with. But yeah, I, I like you said, I don't think it'll be till day three. They don't, just don't have enough for it. Uh, who would it be for at that point? It's anyone's guess. Who knows? You know, after after like the first fifty picks, the draft completely goes to shit, and it's a total free for all. Like, yeah, guys I didn't think. Yeah, guys, you didn't think we're going till the sixth round or getting picked in the top sixty-five, seventy-five picks. Like it loses all order after like fifty. Yeah. And honestly, if this if the Seahawks have a first round pick, it really starts to get wild starting there. Or the Steelers drafted the defensive back in the first round. Yeah. What what player that doesn't belong in the first round are the Seahawks gonna take in the first round? <laughs> Luckily they don't have a pick until the third or fourth this yeah. year. So. That's that's really good maneuver. Which first right round there? player will they take in the third round this year? They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll do the, like D, DK Metcalf like they did yeah. then, yeah. They're so good at honestly. They should always trade their first round picks. Just stay away from the first round. Is what they like should. the Rams, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see what's the next one. That one's kind of already been answered. That one. Okay, we talk about scheme fits and Ballard's guys all the time. So who who is not a scheme fit, and who would be a guy that Ballard stays away from? Uh, We'll give them one of each, preferably one for scheme and one for Ballard. So uh, who who's someone that, I guess, we'll say someone who's commonly linked to the Colts but isn't a scheme fit? And then who is a guy that may make sense for the Colts but Ballard would probably stay away from? Yeah. Uh, I, I think when I always look at scheme stuff, I always look at their cover two scheme on defense. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, and I think a guy like Caleb Farley – uh, even though I haven't really seen the Colts link to them, link to him too much. Uh, when you think of Caleb Farley, you know he he's a great athlete, uh, can can do a lot of things in man, but never really was that. You know he he could do he could play some zone, but it was never really his forte there at Virginia Tech, and because they just do so much press and and you know bump and run man coverage there. Uh, and I think one issue that I always came to when I came across this film over the last couple of years is you know he's a fine tackler, but he's it's not a strength in his game at all. Uh, he can tackle because he's a big guy, but it's never really been a strength. There's been a lot of is issues over the years, I think, uh, because he was a former receiver. So 
yeah, I, I just don't see him fitting in this scheme at all in terms of that tackling ability and him being more of a press man type guy. Uh, I think there's a lot of other schemes that could definitely fit his high end ability. Uh, but I, I just don't see him being a fit. I, I, I could see them still taking him maybe, but in terms of scheme fit, I just don't see it whatsoever. And then who's who's someone you think would make sense, but Chris Ballard could feasibly stay away from? You kind of mentioned someone in Cosme. Yeah, Cosme, I think, makes a lot of sense. But there's, again, there's a reason uh, that he's not in the first round. I think Jalen Phillips makes a lot of sense as someone they'll stay away from because talent's great. But, you know, when you're looking at a guy who's had, I think, five or six concussions, I think he's had wrist surgery twice, ankle surgery twice. And he also didn't, he had COVID, I think he had a COVID issue, so he wasn't able to do the medical recheck. Yeah, that's why he didn't come to India. So, that, ah, man, honestly, the talent's so good, but I don't even know if I would take him at 21 with all that. That like Because my job's not on the line if I miss a first-round pick. Yeah. But these GMs, their their jobs are always on the line with every first-round pick. And taking a guy with that history, you know, forced retirement due to concussions, uh, and then angle and wrist surgery throughout his career, and only one year of real production, that, that is tough to take in the first round. Uh, so I think that's a guy where, you know, we'll all be screaming maybe even on day two, like, oh, Ballard, why are you not taking this guy? He's so good. It's just, yeah. that, that's just so many issues. And then there's a, there's a couple other guys too, uh, you know, talented guys who are likely off the Colts board because of off-field stuff. Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky, uh, the corner there, his off-field is a complete mess. Like, I wouldn't touch him if I were a GM. Um, Josh Ball, the offensive tackle from where did he end up? Marshall. Marshall, yes, yeah. Marshall. Uh, when he was at Florida State, uh, there was a domestic violence thing where he, I think he beat the crap out of his girlfriend or something. Like it was awful. Uh, a so guy he who would get bent. Yeah, like honestly, he should not get drafted. If he gets drafted, the NFL made a mistake, especially after the Chad Wheeler thing that just happened. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely should not get drafted. But we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I don't imagine he's going to be on the Colts board. But then there's a couple other guys with off-field stuff. I think Bryce Thompson, uh, from the cornerback from Tennessee, got arrested last year as well. So I think any of those kind of guys, even if they do fit, just wouldn't be on the Colts board because of those issues. I mean, we've seen them take guys with issues with patching up Bobby Okariki and EJ Speed, but I, you know, they'd have to properly vet these guys. And I just don't think those guys will be on the board, especially Josh Ball. I will continue to say that. Yeah. Josh Ball, like you said, can get Ben. He can just <laughs> – Hopefully the the league just doesn't even look at him because God, it's awful, yeah. awful. Yeah, that's that's not something you want to bring into the house at all. Uh, so as for the Ballard thing, Phillips was going to be my answer, um, but I've seen a couple guys I've seen mock to the Colts. I think it's just guys trying to make positional connections. Um, I don't think Ballard would really love to have like Kadarius Tony or Elijah Moore in the first round. No tiny. Oh yeah, I should have. You know, I should have definitely talked talk about that. Yeah, he does not like receivers under six foot or under two hundred pounds. Yeah. Sure that they they produce yards after a catch, which the Colts love, but they don't do it at the size that the Colts love. So I've seen those guys mock to the Colts quite a bit. I don't see it. I mean, not in the first round. There are certain guys without traits that means the Colts won't take them at their current like value, but it doesn't mean they won't take them at all. Like they would maybe get third or fourth round. Um, Chris Ballard has mentioned that before. They ha- they have to have a special trait in order for them to like overlook some of those things. Um, so that's, that's that. And then as for what was the other part of it? Um, not scheme fit. 
it was uh, Gregory Russo. So yeah. I kind of am starting to get the feeling that he may not even go in the first. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really be shocked. He would make sense as like the big, the big strong side end who could kick inside because he's done that before. Um, but just at the value that people, because he's another guy that's been mocked to the Colts in the first round a lot. I don't think the Colts would go for it. Like I kind of said earlier, I don't know that they would value that strong left end spot. And especially for a guy, he's not really that super polished either. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Phillips. He's only had one year of production and that was two years ago. So he's a little bit of a project as well, especially for the role the Colts would likely want for him. So I would think I would think no on, on him as well. So yeah, basically that, the two Miami edge defenders that a lot of Colts fans want, you and me are just poo-pooing all over that. I, dude, I love Phillips. I'd probably take him at 21, but my job's not on the line. So Right. I I it's the medicals. I, yeah. I could see I, I've I've heard that before as for the Colts and medicals. Think of the last time they took a guy whose medicals were a mess early. Therese weren't great, but I mean, yeah, that's probably it. He's still playing. I mean, people talk about Paris Campbell, but he got a clean bill of health at Ohio State. He didn't He's had start injuries, honestly. Yeah, he didn't start getting hurt till he got to the NFL. So they really just haven't invested in guys who were banged up in college, at least not early. Yeah, well, that also goes with what I was, you know, a receiver. They don't like, like anyone under six foot or under two hundred pounds. That's the same at corner. <laughs> yeah, Asante, Asante Samuel. Yeah, Asante Samuel is another one who I I could have mentioned. They just don't like those tiny corners. I mean, even if you look at, at, like, Kenny, they always call the ultimate outlier. Like, they've yeah. mentioned it multiple times. He's a complete outlier. Um, and also, last year, um, Isaiah Rogers was an outlier, they mentioned. And they also mentioned him more as a special team, or not really as an actual corner for them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at everyone else, like Marvel Tell, Rock, Rocky Sin, uh, guys in the past, uh, Pierre Desir, like all those guys, uh, Nate, I think Nate Harrison was over 200 pounds as well, even though I think he was like 5'10", 5'11". They, they just like those bigger, bulkier corners. So a guy like Samuel, who I think is like what, 170, 180 or something like that, I just don't see it. I especially don't see them having two guys like that on the roster, and Rodgers and Samuel. Rodgers, Samuel, and Kenny. That Yeah, that's right. I yeah. mean, Kenny's wingspan makes him like 6'1". And, and the way saw, he plays makes him like 7'0". Yeah. And we, we saw against the Raiders that uh, – his his wingspan is just fine when he had that pick against Darren Waller. So, <laughs> someone um, someone literally just messaged me on Twitter asking if Caleb Farley is available at twenty one. Would he be a steal at that point? Well, he's not going to like this podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> probably not. Probably not for the Colts. And he just he made some statement recently that anyone who passes him up, and if he's not the first corner or something, that he's going to be really pissed off, and he's the team that gets him is going to get a dog or whatever. It's like. You gotta just know that no one wants. If you just have like a back surgery, that doesn't scream bring him to me in the first round. Look, man, corners are all complete nut jobs. JC Horn's the same way. Like he was going after Pro Football Focus the other day. Like <laughs> I am, maybe not every position doing this kind of stuff, but corners, please be completely crazy. Like, yeah, go off. I love, I love crazy corners. I love crazy linebackers too. That's why Darius Leonard I love because he's just insane. Like you just got to be, you got to be insane to play some of these positions. Yeah. JC Horn, by the way, if, if we're not talking Caleb Farley, this is a pro JC Horn account. This is no, this is pro. This is pro JC Horn. I'm cornerback yeah. one before it became cool. Yeah, there you go. All right. So we'll get to a couple more of these. Um, 
who are your top five favorite players in the draft? They don't have to be the best, but just the people you enjoy watching the tape. And that's an important thing. There are some guys that you may hear us say we love. We know they're not like the best at their position. We just love watching them. I'll let you go because you've watched a lot more than me at this point, and I'm going to have to scan for my favorite five so far. Um, I'm going to go off the top of my head. I'm going to see how good I can do this. Uh, number one by far and away uh, on on film and off of film uh, is Jacoby Stevens from mm-hmm. LSU. Uh, honestly, my favorite part of this whole draft process is becoming good friends with him. Uh, just an outstanding guy that I just like really, really enjoy talking to and watching film with and, and even watch, I mean, his film's amazing. He plays every single position for the LSU defense. He wore that number seven that as famous at LSU this past year. And for good reason, uh, love Jacoby Stevens. And I really hope he ends up in Indy, but either way, like that, that's just a great friend, a great guy right there. So by far and away, my number one, um, other guys here, let me think. There's so many guys I like in this class. And more, I would say, and more top eight has got to be one of yours. Yeah, Inventor Bebe is nice. Uh, I do like the way that he runs those two routes, but he runs them so <laughs> well. <laughs> um, other guys I love on film, though. I think Tevin Jenkins is everyone's, would be in almost everyone's top five, but the way that he plays the tackle position, uh, just, he's just so violent, even though he doesn't have, you know, maybe the longest arms or anything like that. I just, I just love the way he plays. So yeah, Tevin Jenkins, Landon Dickerson on film. Yeah. Uh, just an absolute killer. Uh, so yeah, he'd probably be my top five as well. Uh, two more. Let me think. Let me think. I, Quiddy Pay. Yeah. <laughs> Quiddy Pay, man. I, I, he's frustrating to watch on film just because you could see there was much more potential than what Michigan was allowing him to be. You know, yeah. if they just would have unleashed him off the edge more, I think he would have had an amazing college career. But yeah, man, when when he when you had those flashes of him coming off the edge full speed, like absolutely insane. But another one I'll go out with is uh last one here is Michael Carter the second from Duke, cornerback. Uh okay. he's a he's a slot corner and he's really fun to watch because he'll play slot, he'll play outside, he'll play some safety. Uh, I think Virginia Tech game this past year, from what he told me, was it was the uh, first, it was like the only time in his career, maybe in all of college football this past year, where he played all five of their secondary positions because they run the the four two five. Mm. Uh, he played all five of their positions, and yeah, he's a fun player. You know, like he's he's a good athlete, not great, not super lengthy or anything like that, but uh, physical in the run game, matches up with anybody really well, all over the place. Uh, very underrated guy to watch. I I really enjoy watching his film, but yeah, so those three top guys, obviously, but Jacoby and and um, Michael Carter, I think, are really fun to watch too. All right, so I'll just – a couple of the easy ones that I loved watching was Christian Derisaw and yeah. Quiddy Pay. Uh, yep. Quiddy Pay, I was pissed I didn't get to him sooner because I, I loved watching him play. High-energy guy. It's he, he's, got, he's got stuff to work on, but he's got moves. He plays to the whistle. He's strong. He's got good balance. I loved watching him. Um, and I think, you know – there, there's been some Michigan defenders lately who have taken a little bit to make an impact. Uh, Devin Bush, and then there was uh, there's the the edge rusher over in Green Bay. I can't think of his name right now, um, but I think Pay will be someone who can make an instant impact. Darisaw, kind of the same way I talked about him earlier. I think he's really really well rounded, uh, gets out and moves really well. He's a tenacious guy, uh, and then the three later guys, and again. 
these are these are guys who probably are not going to be picked early or maybe even at all. But <laughs> I just really I really enjoyed watching them. Um, Brady White, quarterback from Memphis. I've been watching him for three years. You know, it's sometimes you just get into it with those guys you've been watching on tape for so long. I he wouldn't be a superstar, but I just like what what he what he has to offer. He's he's mobile. He makes he he picks you apart in the short and intermediate. Not not a big arm at all, but I've just really watched liked watching him over the years. I remember I, I first started watching him, I think, with Anthony Miller, uh, who's now with the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a pair of Virginia defenders, uh, Charles Snowden, who, I mean, I, I you wrote about him the other day, too. You mentioned, I think, he he probably would be that strong side edge type of guy who could maybe kick inside. Um, he's not a finished product. He's He's got stuff to work on, but he's got a huge frame. He can get to the quarterback. There's things to like about him. And his teammate, Joey Blunt, the safety. Uh, if the Colts are looking at, uh, if they're looking at safeties, he's not a bad option. He's another guy that kind of jumped off the, off the tape with me when I was watching Bryce Hall last year. Um, I just kept getting drawn to him. He, he's a fiery guy, competitor. You can tell he's a leader out there uh, with the team. Kind of reminds me a bit of Kari Willis, I think. Uh, just a, a tough guy, good tackler. Just puts himself in the right position. So th- those, have, those have been my five guys so far. And I'll probably find a, a few more over these next couple of weeks that I fall in love with. But so far, those are my five. Yeah. Uh, another one I'll just throw out is uh, the running back from Iowa State, uh, Kenny Nwangu, I think yeah. is how you say his last name. Uh, I, I feel like I was on him before most people. His, his agent and I are really good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known his agent for like three or four years. And he told me uh, when I was starting my interview stuff this offseason, he was like, hey, this running back kid I, I signed, like I didn't even realize how good he was until I like signed him and like talked to him and saw a bunch of stuff. But he's a freak. Like, and the NFL likes him. And I was like, okay, I'll watch some film. And his film, even though he barely gets the ball, because like he's he's been behind Brees Hall and David Montgomery in his career, which, you know, you're going to be behind two of the best running backs in college football over the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. So it, it kind of sucks for him. But, you know, he, he's got some freaky speed. 4-3 guy. I think he had like a 9.8 RAS score. Ooh, uh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> And well, he told me when I interviewed him that he did no training, went to um, one of his training facilities and ran a 4-4 flat with no training to start the offseason. I think it ended up being like a 4-3 at his, at his pro day, but he's fun on film. When he gets the ball and he sees a little bit of opening of an opening, he's gone. Like he's he's awesome. So uh, even though it's very little film to watch with him, when you get those glimpses of him touching the ball, it's it's really, really good. Yeah, and... So I always fall in love with a guy who is kind of a possession type receiver. And I almost forgot to mention Marquez Stevenson from Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. When I watched Josh Jones last year, I, I kept getting drawn to Stevenson. Um, so that's another one of my guys. I almost forgot about that. But yeah, we could, we could name guys yeah, we <laughs> all day. That we really I like. go yeah. each position. We could, yeah, yeah we... exactly. Uh, okay. Next up from Bob McAvoy. Fill in the blank. The Colts should take an edge in round one as long as they still walk away with one of these tackles blank. So, okay, if they take an edge in round one, that's fine, but you want to make sure they walk away with this tackle before the draft is over. I think Brady Christensen from BYU would be a good one uh, in round two or maybe round three if they trade back. Um, 
I just love his athletic profile. And I think he's really good on the move and kind of fits a lot of what they, the Colts like to do with their, you know, they like to have offensive linemen that can move a little bit. I think he makes a lot of sense. And then the other one would be Dylan Radunes uh, from North Dakota State. Uh, they can come away with one of those two guys and or, or also Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown, too, with his with his athletic profile. He's super, super raw, and I don't even know if I would start him on day one. Uh, but that athletic profile is probably the freakiest thing I've ever seen yeah. uh, for, for an offensive tackle. So, yeah, if they come away with one of those three guys, and honestly, there's probably like four or five more guys I could throw out there. This is a – it's an insane tackle class. Uh, honestly, you could tell me like Colts get Quiddy Pay in the first round and care who they get a tackle, you know. So yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's Bray Christensen will probably be at the top. Dylan Redunes and and Spencer Brown, uh, Stone Forsyth out of Florida as well. There's a couple. I I really like this tackle class. Yeah, I would add James Hudson to that. Um, yeah, really, really no reason to differentiate from those other tackles you mentioned. Um, as we obviously know, there's a possibility for some of these tackles that have had some first round buzz to maybe be there at 54. Cosme, Liam Eichenberg, um, Walker Little, that's questionable. Leatherwood, maybe? Le- Leatherwood is a potential one, yeah. To me, those would be outstanding. If, if the Colts got a really good edge and came away with one of those fringe first round tackles, that would be a home run scenario for them i think so let's see uh last one for the day from zach hicks hair i am researching life insurance packages what are the chances that i'm gone come january 2022 (laughs) who knows maybe i have a bad day and i just shaved you off i don't know you're kind of getting a little mouthy lately is what (laughs) but uh but i don't know again the thing I was telling people, like I've been telling people about when I made this better, whatever, like Carson Wentz was third in DVOA in 2017. Now, obviously, the Eagles situation was not very good after that, but he dropped from, I think, third to 16th, and then from like 16th to 25th, and then 25th to 34th last year. So it's just been a pretty bad regression. Uh, and then you also think Philip Rivers was outstanding last year, and he was 12th in DVOA. He didn't even get in the top 10. So I think there's a fairly good chance I'll keep my hair. But again, I hope I don't keep. You hope it. not, yeah. I know. I hope this. I hope it's all gone. I hope I can just show off my scalp to the world. You know, like I can, you know, start start that process there. You know, sometimes you need to reset it. You know, you just need to cut, cut it all off and reset your hair. Yeah. Uh, especially when it makes a Twitter account, you need to just cut it all off and kind of restart from there. I think so. Yeah, we'll and keep it keep it through into August, and then come out here to Westfield in that hot weather. Westfield son with a bald head and no hat. My grandfather is super excited because he's been bald since he was like 25. So he called me up yesterday and he was like, so I heard you're going to shave your head. That's awesome. Like, there's going to be multiple of us in the family now. <laughs> so, you know, I'll have at least company if I shave my head. That's good. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> That's There's a lot to look forward to on that. I, I really hope it happens, actually. It'd be great. It'd be great for the memes. I'd probably post like a video of it on YouTube, too, which would probably be my highest viewed video. Like, it, it would be great. So, like, Carson Wentz. Now. Please, Carson Wentz. Please, win MVP this year. Like, do something. Like, that'd be awesome. That, oof, man. I can't, I just can't wait for that. That seems like a good stopping point for today, though. <laughs> uh, that is it. Please remember to subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. 
and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Hicks too. And be sure to follow his written work on Stampede Blue and Cover One. And I am on Sports Illustrated's Horseshoe Huddle. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online and Just Live. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at Believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on this show specifically, just shoot us an email. You'll hear from Zach and me again soon to discuss all the latest Colts draft rumors and to answer all your questions. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.